Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about Well, welcome everyone to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I am thrilled that you can join us today. We are going to have a really fun conversation with um, some folks at Artist Senior Living who are really about compassionate dementia care. But before I introduce our guests, I always like to do some shout outs. So first of all, for those of you that are new, welcome to our show. I'm thrilled you're here today. Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real conversations with real people all around the world, from those living with dementia to families and professionals that care for them, advocates, researchers, you name it, you are welcome. Uh, maybe you've got an idea for a show, just please reach out to me at radio at Alzheimer's Speaks and we will have a conversation. If you liked our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, which is a local band here in Minnesota and I always love giving them a shout out. You can download that music on any of your favorite music platforms. And if you haven't visited our main site, which is alzheimerspeaks.com, we have have recently updated that. It's way easier to maneuver. In fact, we have one whole page dedicated to free educational resources. So please check that out. And then if you aren't familiar with Saltbox TV, that is a free online streaming service that was developed specifically for seniors. So check out Saltbox TV. I also just want to give out some information about two uh, support groups that I do. One is Arthur's Memory Cafe. We do that virtually so anybody in the world can join us. We do that on the second and the fourth Wednesday of the month at 1 p.m. And then the Caregiver Connect program is in person here in Shoreview, Minnesota. We meet at the Shoreview Community Center. That is sponsored by Brookdale North Oaks. That is the last Wednesday of the month at 10 a.m. And you can also get respite care for your loved one there as well. And another program that I'm going to be doing actually is with Artist Senior, Senior Living, who is our guest today. But on September 20th, from 6.30 to 7.30, we'll be doing a virtual program called Realities of Dementia. And the whole goal is to give you family-friendly tips and tools. There's no cost to that at all. So you can um, go to theartistway.com forward slash webinar to sign up for that. 
And then October 31st, I'll be doing an in-person screening of a timeless love with the Minnetonka Dementia Friendly Group. And you can get more information from me on that. We are going to hear from the Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner, and then we'll be right back with our guests. I love the footbar walker, and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest. There are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. Okay, so we are back and ready to rumble, as they say. We are going to be talking about creating joy and finding purpose uh, with two, uh, two of the professionals at Artist Senior Living. So today we have with us Mary Underwood, who is the Vice President of Memory Care Services for the company, and Jolene Sink, who is the director of marketing. Both of course are with Artist Senior Living. Now, Mary has been working in the field of memory care for the past 33 years. And her focus for the past 12 years has been on program development and education for caregivers. Jolene's passion has always been in the healthcare field, and she has partnered and guided and supported those impacted by dementia and their family members in a variety of healthcare settings. And so I'm really looking forward to having a wonderful conversation with these two amazing women and talk about their mission and passion called The Artist Way. So ladies, I am so thrilled to have you here. I am a a big believer in the work that you guys do at Artist Senior Living. And so to start off, first, I just want to, again, welcome you. I know your schedules are busy, so I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Oh, it's great to be with you, Lori. Thank you. And I always like to start out the show by asking everybody if they've been personally touched in their own family or circle of friends by dementia. And Mary, I'm going to let you go first on that one, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. I actually, my first experience with dementia was my great uncle when I was little. Um, He had early onset Alzheimer's, which at the time we didn't know, you know, was senility. And um, so I wasn't even aware at that time that that's what it was. Um, And then I've been in the field for 33 years. um, And about seven years ago, my dad was diagnosed with a form of dementia. um, And we did lose him um, in 2020. But um, so yeah, it's, it's professional and personal. And it's a lot harder, as everybody knows, being on the personal side of it. It is amazing that the professionals I talk to will say, gosh, I really thought I had this down pat in terms of what I was telling my families. And it's like, I'm tweaking it a little bit now that I've gone through it because it really 
It really is different it, it, because it feels different. That emotion yeah. is, is behind it. And so Absolutely. I, and I had so many people say to me, you need to take your own advice. Um, and mm-hmm. I would take a step back and it's like, you're right. And so it was nice to have my own words, but sometimes I didn't want them to be said back to me, but it is very yep. different. Yep, exactly. Um, Jolene, how about you? Have you been touched personally in your family or circle of friends by dementia? Yes, yes, I have. I, I've also, like Mary, been in the healthcare field for close to 30 years now. So dementia has always been part of my the field that I work in. But probably about 13 years ago, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with um, vascular dementia. Uh, I was actually the first one. I was We were a caregiver. She had a stroke and she lived at home with us. Um, we were told she was coming out of a stroke, so she may be confused. And so uh, one day I was just sitting with her on the couch and talking with her. And she said, where's, where's mommy? And I could have fell. I, I, you know, so... I told my husband, I'm like, I think your mom has dementia. And so just was the support for my family. I mean, my mother-in-law, it was, I, she passed away last year, but um, she was so important to me. She was like a mother, another mother to me. It wasn't just like my mother-in-law. So I actually felt, um, you know, going through this with my husband and my sister-in-law, um, it, it was, it was a difficult ride. And, and actually it's like, you were now educating and guiding my family on what to do and how to do. And, um, and I, and it was very eye opening. I must say, you know, to be on that side. Yeah. I know with my own family, um, you know, I've been in, you know, my mom lived till 2014 and I stepped into this realm in 2009 and, you know, I was known as kind of the, the expert, though I don't think any of us will ever truly be experts. We'll know a lot, but there's always more to learn. And yet I couldn't convince my brothers to do a lot of things that I thought would make mom's life better and their life easier. And sometimes I think in families, you're just you're in the position you're in, in that family hierarchy, and they look at you in, in a certain realm. And sometimes that just never, ever changes. And, Absolutely. And not every family is like that, but I, I've heard that multiple times from people. And yeah. I think the best thing we can do is lead by example. You know, we can, we can try to teach and, um, and mold and guide people, but if they're not open to it, I think the best thing is just do your thing and let them watch. And, you know, if they want to pick up on it, they will. With my mom too, you know, she would ask me a question and I would say, well, how do you want me to answer as your daughter or as a professional? Because sometimes the answer was very different. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you talk about being the expert. We were looking for adult day programs for my dad. And I had a couple that I really wanted to look at. And she says, oh, honey, that's nice, but I'm going to call the professionals and see what they think. (laughs) And you're going to go, okay, but like you said, it's in the family, you're not that person necessarily all the time, you are the middle child, or you're the baby or, or whatever they see you as. So it is sometimes when you know, as much as you do, it it is walking that line and figuring out which side you have to be on. 
Exactly. Well, Mary, I'm going to have you explain a little bit, maybe if you can tell our audience who is artist senior living, and then we'll get into kind of the socialization and the importance, you know, with dementia. But I think we kind of need a base for our audience on a little bit about the company, if you don't mind. Oh, not at all. Um, Artist Senior Living, we are a sister living company. Um, We are celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year. And um, we primarily do, we have 27 communities nationwide. Um, 26 of them are um, exclusively memory care. We do have one that does assisted living um, and memory care specific, but as we know, and everybody who knows, you know, assisted living, you tend to see a lot of people in the earlier stages. So it still is memory care. So we are nationwide um, and we, we really focus on not doing memory care. And, and, you know, when I talk to some of the members of the team and say, we don't do memory care, they look at me like, but Mary, there's a big sign that says memory (laughs) care. And it's like, no, we do human being care where we really do focus on um, the individual who has the disease and not the disease. And as strange as it sounds and Jolene's work directly in the communities, you know, it's, it's nice when you're able to put that, disease on the back burner for a bit. Um, And again, I've done memory care for a really long time. And so much of it has been focused on what they can't do and the limitations. And, you know, they can't drink and they can't do this and they can't do that. And, and when you focus on human being care, um, and we do that through our philosophy of the artist way, that all of a sudden, it's about what they can do, and the abilities. And it's, it's pretty exciting to see when you switch that, that focus. Well, yeah, because it really is like a, a, a light bulb moment for people because they've been it's been pounded into our heads that they can't do in their less than um, don't bother, just do it yourself, you know, all of those types of things. And then we wonder why somebody with dementia gets depressed or gets angry. Well, how about we brush you aside like that? Uh, exactly. I, I think those emotions are going to crop up pretty quick with you as well. And, and we so, Oh, go ahead. And we did, we did develop a philosophy called the artist way very quick, you know, it's ability to have a voice, respecting and maintaining relationships, treasuring each person's uniqueness, integrity and success and recognition. And those have nothing to do with memory care. That is something that every human being wants to experience. And just because somebody happens to have a disease that's impacting their memory and cognition doesn't mean they still don't want to have a voice and have relationships and feel successful. So it's, it really is fun, which is strange when you talk about memory care, but um, Mm -hmm. there's just something really exciting about seeing moments that other people don't think our residents can experience. Well, I think, you know, when you, when you push the, the dementia aside and stop looking at person at a person as a disease, you get back to living life which can be fun, can be joyful, can, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but your life wasn't perfect before a diagnosis. So I think sometimes people expect it to be now, which is like, hello, you know, what what are you thinking? Um, And we add all these pressures and expectations of what it's supposed to look like instead of, I don't know, I found just sitting back and learning from them. And, you know, learning to be more spontaneous, learning to look at a detour as 
is not a bad thing, but I, I've got an opportunity to learn something different here. Most of us have gone on a, a trip and had a detour and gone, wow, you know, we would never would have seen that community. We never would have gone to that restaurant. We never would have if it wasn't for that detour. And so, you know, looking for those blessings and, and looking at the person as a whole, I think is just so, so critically important. Now, mm-hmm. Mary, let's talk a little bit about socialization yep. and dementia. I mean, that really kind of cracked the egg wide open during COVID <laughs> on, right. on the importance of this, that I think more of the general public and I think more professionals are understanding the impact. But what's what's your spin on it? Yeah, I think as and having been a, somebody who has cared for somebody that there's so many tasks that have to get done. You know, we have to get the meds, we have to get the shower, we have to get the groceries, we have to worry about transportation, that socialization becomes on the bottom of the list, when in actuality, it really should be at the top of the list. And there's been so many studies we've seen about, you know, the impact of lack of socialization. And there's some that say it is almost as detrimental as smoking, that it's that detrimental to your health, increases your risk of stroke, um, heart disease, dementia, if you have dementia, it, the progression can be faster because of lack of socialization, um, absolutely depression. I mean, and we've seen in COVID how important it was. Um, and, you know, Jolene can probably speak to it too, that I was, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, you, again, you say you have these wow moments with our residents when you think they can, how well they embraced FaceTime and Zoom and, yeah. you know, off visits, out window visits, and um, that those things became important. But I, I think too, not just in the dementia world, but you know, for seniors that are living at home, their bubble became very comfortable. They were able to go to church in their living room. Um, they didn't have to go out for things. And I think now it's getting people out that even though you can do things at home, it doesn't mean you should. But um, yeah, the impacts are quite detrimental in regards to health and well-being and mood for um, for everybody, but especially for our seniors. Yeah. Well, and I think you guys had such a nice base because you really are, I know most people use the term person-centered. I, I like to use the word relationship-based right. where, you know, you're not looking everything at everything as a task to be done. When I've visited various communities and stuff and, and, um, and spoke to your audience, I mean, there, there are really genuine connections. I mean, you can, you can see it not only in the staff, but in the residents in the family, um, they know these people. Right. They're, they're, it's, it's not just being put on because there's a visitor in the building. And a lot of times I got to say when I'm, when, and I have been traveling that much lately, but when I was out and about, it was staged, even with tours and things like that, when I was looking for my own family. And you can really <clears throat> see the difference in that. And and not once can I say, uh, and, and this is honestly, not once can I say that, that I felt something was staged out visiting, you know, your communities and stuff. And that, that really touched my soul. That made a huge, huge statement to me. Yeah. And I also see it when, um, you know, we have a, a third shift and, you know, people have a certain view about people who work third shift, you know, mm-hmm. 11 to seven. And um, we had an associate in one of our communities who um, they came in and she had baked cookies 
with a resident at three o'clock in the morning. The resident mm-hmm. would get up. She would have trouble mm-hmm. going to sleep. She knew she loved to bake. So she got the items and the two of them at three o'clock in the morning baked chocolate chip cookies. You know, that's when it hits the 11 to seven shift, you know, again, that it's, it's very real. Um, mm-hmm. And it is. And again, Jolene has, you've been in the communities every single day and you know, yeah, it's, it, it's who we are. Exactly. It's, you know, our residents become our family or the family members are part of our family. And, um, you know, when you're engaging with and you're partnering with those residents each and every day, you, you learn that person as an individual. And, and it's just, it's so much easier to connect with them mm-hmm. in that way too, you know, what the, their likes are, their dislikes are, and just learn who they are as a person. Well, and that says, again, that says a lot, you know, that you care. I, when my mom was, was living in a community, um, you know, a lot of times, the only time I'd get a call was when something was wrong. Well, you know, out of depends. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know. Ethel stole her purse, you know, or we can't find it, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm going to go buy three of them and we'll have backups, you know, it's kind of what was ended up being my plan. But, you know, it was, it was always for something out of sorts. And I remember sitting down with them saying, it'd be really nice. You, you tell me all these great stories and what a beautiful smile my mom has. It would be really nice if you'd share that with me as a daughter, and in talking with staff, they said, oh, you know, you know, I'm going to do that every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. I'm like, no, please don't make it a, a task <laughs> right, right. because you, you will take mm-hmm. away the gift of being authentic. Right. And, and to me, that is so, so important. But be able to share, he told us the same joke that he's told us every morning, but, you know, we just all busted up with it. I mean, being able to do that and appreciating that your laughter brings him joy. And instead of getting mad, because we've heard that, you know, 16 times before, Larry, you know, having your staff trained and understanding those types of things, or, you know, doing the cookies, like, why not? She's not going to go to bed anyways. Let's, let's do something fun and, and give her a memory and give us, and, and that memory is a ripple effect that then plays out in not only that community, but many others, because the story's repeated and, you know, brings a smile to people's face and, and warms their heart going, they get this. this." I actually personally have sent, you know, um, to the family members, videos, pictures, you know, you capture those moments when a family member is not there to see what is going on. And, you know, it, it, you know, there was one time a resident was just mimicking Liza Minnelli on the TV in the community center, and she was dancing along with her and doing all the steps. And I just started video and I sent it to her daughter. And, you know, she was like, thank you so much. But, you know, we have um, a lot of us do that because it's so important to see how their loved one's doing when they're not there too. You know, it gives them a little bit of a peace of mind. And as a family member, I would love that. Like if somebody had sent me something, so I, you know, you try to reciprocate. Because we do, we do get the best moments, you know, families and and we've all visited loved ones with dementia. It's, it's tough sometimes Mm -hmm. to sit through that visit and, you know, do you ask questions? Do you not? Do you participate in, you know, in a program? So to be able to have snapshots of what your loved one 
is experiencing throughout the day. And one of the favorite things we do is that we, you know, we talk about relationships and, and that's very much what it is, that in our communities, we help our residents wish their adult children happy birthdays, mm-hmm. which is, you know, they have to know the date, they have to know all that. So we help coordinate that. And I will tell you, that is some of the best feedback we get from our families to hear my mom hasn't wished me happy birthday in five years. So Mm -hmm. to get a call from her means so much to me. It's, it's about relationships and moments. Yeah. Well, and I, I've seen it where people aren't able to speak, but they have a card that they have a huge smile on their face and the family just melts and goes, this is my favorite picture of all time. Right. You know, because that twinkle is in the eye and you know, the connection is there it amazes me how much those simple things are overlooked by so many. Jolene, you had mentioned gives families a bit of happiness, a bit of trust. Mm-hmm. And I would say it gives us a lot more than a bit. Mm-hmm. Those things are huge. Really because, are. because if we want to admit it or not, as family, they are on our mind 24-7. And when you can give somebody something that brightens up their day and just says, they're in good hands. They, they get my loved one. They love my loved one. And they're, and we have good, and it says we have good communication, um, that they're willing to take time out of their busy schedules to send that to me, that, that is massively, massively huge. Agree. Jolene, what are some of the obstacles that keep people living with dementia from engaging that you've run across? Um, you know, on a personal level and, and at working in a community, some of the obstacles I have seen is, is not allowing that person to engage. You know, it's, it's that all or nothing mentality, um, you know, like, oh, they can't, they can only do a little of this, I'll just do it for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is so wrong, you know, because if you give that individual the opportunity to engage, like um, with care, you know, if you're doing care with somebody, that's so easily to engage with that person. You know, you offer choices, you know, um, what would you like to wear? You, uh, you know, would you like to make your bed? And, and you just partner beside them. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, in, in our community, we have a um, partnership profiles that our families do fill out on the residents. Um, so we know about that person, that individual of, of their likes or dislikes and really who they are as a person. And we take those profiles and, you know, we know, you know, we can, if there was pet therapy, you know, and and somebody had a dog and we know who likes the dog, you know, Mary, would you, I know Mary wouldn't, but (laughs) (laughs) are you a cat person, Mary? (laughs) I've become an, and I love people. I've, I've, I've had my um, challenges with animals, like the German (laughs) shepherd that decided that he wanted to have me for breakfast one morning. So that's been a little damper on, on my relationship with animals. <laughs> now, I love animals, but it, you're, you're giving that person the opportunity to, and, and really the key is to empower and allow that individual to feel, you know, um, empowered and in control. You know, because when we start to take control away from somebody, that's when you start to see a little bit of negative you know, unfortunately, because they, you're, we're doing for them, we're not allowing them to be who they are and make choices about what they want to do or how they want to spend their day. Um, I, you know, I think that's usually the obstacles I have seen 
Um, so what if it's wrong? You know, so what, you know, mom liked to cook and, and now she's, you know, she hasn't cooked in a long time. We'll hear that. You know what? We, we set them up. They're cutting up, you know, the tomatoes for the soup and the carrots and they're engaging, you know, but, you know, we allow them to. And that's, that's the thing I think that holds a lot of people back is they're not giving that opportunity to engage. Yeah. And, and I also think it's sometimes the assumptions that we make. I have the luxury and it is such a fabulous job. I get to go to all 27 of our communities, but I'm not there day in and day out. So I don't know somebody who might be an explorer who spends a lot of time mm-hmm. walking. And I don't know who is more verbal than I, I treat them all as though I just met you. You're a great person and let's interact. And I remember I was doing a training in one of our um, New York communities and, you know, it was a room and it was an all day educational offering. And there was a gentleman who was a resident there and he kind of came into the room and I said, oh, would you like to join us? And he said, yes. And one of the other associates said, he's not going to stay. I'm like, you know what? If he stays for five minutes, it's five more minutes. So I got him a binder. I got him. He he raised his hand and he says, I need a pen. I got him a pen. He sat in that session for over two hours. But a lot of people are like, oh, he's not going to sit. The assumption is he's mm-hmm. he's like this 90% of the time. So that's how he's always going to be. But if you go in with the attitude of they can, and then they can't, who cares? But if you go in with the attitude of they can't, then you're missing out on an amazing opportunity where they might be able to step up. So I think, again, it's the assumptions sometimes that people make about people with dementia that limits Mm -hmm. it. Well, and it's not only giving them the opportunity that they can, but doing that in a welcoming environment. Mm-hmm. You saw him raise his hand that he needed a pen and you paid attention to that. And somebody else could have easily just like, he's not going to use it, you know, right. and then and then he's going to feel that and go, I'm out of here, going right. to check out just like you or I would. We would not feel good about being treated mm-hmm. like that. So I, I think that I think that welcoming piece, along with that can do piece you know, setting up the environment that is, is comfortable. It doesn't add any extra stress. They don't feel like they're being tested. Okay, let's watch him and, and see how long he's going to sit here. Alleviating those types of pressures that I think so often we don't even know we're doing when we're observing. Sometimes we're not very subtle in terms of the, the process or people are so worried that I'm going to be right. Watch, he's not going to, he's not going right. to stay. Right, right. And, and I think too, another, another of the obstacles we see is, and not that safety isn't important because mm-hmm. it is, and, and we understand that. But at the end of the day, if I said, hey, Lori, what made today great? Where would I was safe be on that list? Probably not on there, but yet, <laughs> but yet we think if we do that for a person with dementia, we kept them safe. Um, you know, we've had residents who, you know, have ironed the tablecloths and napkins and, you know, people, <laughs> oh, you let them use an iron. It's like, yeah, we let him use an iron. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a woman who brought in her, her own sewing machine. And, you know, people are like, well, what if she hits her finger with a needle? I said, eh, probably won't be the first time and it probably won't be the last. It's, it's okay. Um, and we even had a woman who in one of our communities, she entered a horse show. She did horseback riding her whole life. There was a show that had a class that she would work into and she did it. And again, people are like, oh, what if she falls off? And there's always this, not always, but there's tends to be this importance of let's keep them safe. Mm -hmm. But when you keep them safe, 
then they lose that opportunity to blossom and explore and, and again, have amazing moments. Yeah. Well, and, and fighting for that advocacy is so important. I have a, a friend who's over in Australia, Colin, and he talked about, they were, they were big into granting wishes and one gentleman, um, he, you know, used to jump out of planes, you know, and, and he was in the air force and he really wanted to jump out of a plane again. And his family was dead set against it. And they advocated for him and he jumped out of the plane and, and, you know, of course it's being filmed in the whole nine yards. And then they, they saw him land and he just laid there on the ground and Colin said, I've never run so fast in my life thinking, please don't be dead. They're going to just kill me. And, and he said, he got up to the man and, you know, he just laid there and he had this huge smile on his face wow. and he just said thank you that meant so much to me I mean he didn't jump alone it was a tandem jump and things but and that's a, a, a big extreme but there are so many things that we can allow people to do that we shut down you know from from art saying well you know they've never been an artist or they can't sing or they can't do this or they can't do that and then all of a sudden they're given this opportunity and it's like, oh my gosh, that work should be commissioned. Or I never knew they had a voice like that. Well, that's because probably their egos left the building and they're not worried about who the heck is judging them anymore. <laughs> exactly. And they've actually shown studies that people with dementia mm -hmm. tend to be, can be creative and artistic because, you know, if I were to say to you guys, draw a cat, you'd be like, all right. And you would, there's that obstacle that says, I can't, I don't want to, I don't, and Sometimes people will just just draw that cat, and it's amazing when you don't have those inhibitions or the limitations that that puts in it puts right. on people, and and even things as simple as you know may not be jumping out of a plane, but even clearing their own plate. That sometimes they're like, no, no, we got it, we'll get it for you, and it's like let them bring exactly. their plate to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, what if they fall? It's like, what if they fall? But what if they don't? And that I think is always the, we think about what if, what if, and I, we always say, but what if they don't? And how amazing is that going to be? Or you say, no, you say, why not? Why not? Yeah, why exactly. Not? Now, Mary, you know, people talk about engagement and socialization and activities. What do you see as the difference between those three things? I think there, I, I see a difference. Absolutely. You know, when we talk about activities and we don't use the word activities in our communities. Um, when I think of activities, I think it's about things that are going to keep the residents busy. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I like to bowl as much as the next person, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not very good, but I like to bowl and that's an activity. There's really not a lot of purpose and meaning, but it's a busy and I'm okay with moments where we keep the residents busy, but you can't go through the day. Imagine going throughout the whole day without having a purpose or without being engaged and connected, but just busy. You know, whether this activity is going to happen and it's not going to be any different if I'm in that activity and it's not going to be any different if I'm not. That's an activity. When you have engagement and enrichment, that that program is going to be very different if I'm there or if I'm not, because of the level of the interaction. Um, again, I, I don't think there's anything, we all do things in our life to keep us busy and that's fine. But when we give that purpose and we give that meaning and we give that belonging, that's when you see residents not looking to go home. Mm -hmm. They're not resistive to care. They're not all those negative things because they feel like 
this is where they belong. They feel like this is home. And, and we talk about that a lot in our communities. When a person with dementia looks to go home, it isn't always or very rarely is it a place. It's a feeling. And that feeling is meaning, importance, love, belonging. And you're not going to get those if you just do activities all day long, keeping our, our residents busy. Yeah, because it turns into that task. You're just right. checking it off the list. And, you know, it reminds me of um, when I started the memory cafe, you know, I was told you couldn't have somebody who couldn't speak because they couldn't be part of the group. And I'm like, well, yeah, they can be part of the group if they can't speak. And we had, we had one gentleman who used to be a deacon in the church and he, he mimed things. Oh my God. He cracked us up so many times. He'd be like, Whoa, you know, and we just, the whole group just loved him to death. We had another woman who really couldn't speak, but she enjoyed being next to her husband and being part of the group. And Every now and then she, when we did introductions, she could say her name. And I mean, we would just explode. We were all so excited and we would clap and she would just beam and melt. Being part doesn't have to be this, this verbal placement. Being part is, con- to me, connected at, at a soul level. Absolutely. And, and like you said, it changes the dynamics of the group and people know when that happens, I mean, we all know when somebody walks into a room and we go, oh, oh this is the end. They're going to smush us to death and suffocate yeah. every idea we've got going here. You know, <laughs> I mean, we all feel that we might not say it, um, but we also know when, when somebody raises us up. And I think we have to acknowledge those moments more because we do so many things in this life that are just kind of unconscious we just move through it like the simplicity of of using music people we all listen to music and yet we don't really understand the depths of how it changes our lives and how that can work with people with dementia as well jolene was there anything you wanted to add as far as differences between engagement and activities and socialization that you've seen you know you know i i think mary had it hit it right on with that. You know, we want to have purposeful, you know, Mm -hmm. programs for our residents, you know, to engage in all day long. You you know, you want to know that person as an individual, Um, you know, even if they were home or if they're in a community, you know, what their likes or dislikes are and just ask them, you know, Mm -hmm. I was in in my, um, one of the communities and the hospice nurse said, would, would so-and-so like to, you know, should I bring her to that program? And I said, well, why don't you ask her, you know, ask, ask, you know, Lisa, if she wanted to go and, and she did. And she said, yes, I would love to, you know, we forget, like, don't ask me, ask that person, you know, they're the ones who are making that decision. Include them in their life. Yeah. And we do that. And we actually, we have a, um, we do a town hall meeting, it's called, and we also do a time to dish. And it's where the residents meet with the executive director or the director of culinary. And, you know, people who are used to food committees and all that, but that's very task driven. We, it's just very conversational. And our residents in memory care vote on what's going to happen in their home. So Mm -hmm. when Halloween arrives, it's the residents who are going to decide if costumes can be worn 
in their home or not. It's not going to be the executive director. Um, in one of our communities last week, they were doing a town hall and I think they wanted to do like a hippies day. Mm -hmm. um, and they asked the residents and the residents voted and said, um, no. It was like, oh my gosh, like, okay. And, and they explained why they didn't. But how many times are those decisions made by the directors? Like, we're going to do this in the community, but that's mm -hmm. not your home. That's your work. So we are constantly asking our residents, you know, we're going to do a theme day. What do you want to do, Italian or Greek? We're going to, thinking about having a silly hat day. Are you guys okay with that? Um, in our, in our, one of our Illinois communities, it was classic dementia. It's one of those moments you just kind of go, ha, where <laughs> they were talking about doing their garden because they had a community garden, but they each wanted their own section of the garden. They didn't want a community garden. So the executive director thinking, okay, you know, they're probably not going to be able to do it on their own. So, okay, guys, how about if we invite your family members to help you and be part of your garden? And they voted absolutely not. <laughs> they said, you know, those kids, they just get in the way. So the residents <laughs> made that decision. But again, how many times is that not given to the residents. Um, my dad, and it was, a, you know, sometimes the choices aren't great choices. My dad, when he was still in the early stages of the disease, um, he insisted that he was still gonna pay when we went out anywhere, mm -hmm. but he was clearly struggling with money because that's one of those, you know, executive functioning tasks. And my mom and I, we'd always just jump in and pay and we would take care of it. And I sat down with him one day after we went out and I said, dad, I said, it's up to you. I said do you want us to help? Because when we do, you get mad. But when mm -hmm. we don't help, you get frustrated. And I don't think either one of those are good, but that's mm -hmm. not my decision to make. So you tell me, do you want to be mad or do you want to be frustrated? <laughs> and he said, let me do it myself. He goes, I'd rather be frustrated because I know there's going to be a day where I can't do it. So let me do it myself. But as family members, and even as, as associates, so many times we want to jump in and, and save them from that frustration. But the frustration shows they're still trying and they're still doing and they're still holding on. Um, so sometimes the decisions that we give them, it's not great. You know, being mad or being frustrated are not great choices, but it's not my choice to make. It was my dad's. Yeah. And sometimes there's things that we can adapt so that they can still do it and it makes it easier and they still might get frustrated. I know um, with my dad didn't have dementia, but he had, um, he had brain cancer. And so he too always liked to pay when we go out and I would just check his wallet before they left and just make sure that he had money in there, yeah. um, you know, to be able to, to be able to pay because, you know, the, the credit card thing really wasn't working and where do I put it? I mean, I'm like that in the store. Do I push the red <laughs> or do I push yeah. the green? You know, I don't want to get you my pen. Do I buy <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, it, it does get really, really, really complicated with those things, but, but giving people purpose. Uh, another time I remember we went on a trip and again, this was with my dad, not my mom, but kind of the same thing. I, you know, and I was trying to help and I, and I packed all the luggage. We were going on a, on a family cruise and we went out to the car and my dad so badly wanted to pull one of these big suitcases. Yeah. And there's no way he could do it because he was weak and how easy I could have packed something small for him to carry. But I, I took all of that away and I didn't yeah. realize that until, you know, it was too late and, and we were, you know, on our way out the door. But I think it's really easy 
um, for family and, and sometimes staff to do too, if they're not trained, that everybody doesn't have to do everything the way they used to do it, but let them be part Absolutely. Know, of, of yeah. the process because yeah. gosh, how horrible. I mean, we all know what it's like at, I mean, I don't even like taking my car in for an oil change. I don't like to be out of control, <laughs> you know, control. For, for 15 minutes, you know, like, come on, let's get going. I got stuff to do. And this is their whole day feeling like they are out of control or someone else is in charge of their life. And when my dad was still home, um, it was the last birthday before um, we needed to have him go to a special care program. And he made my mom's birthday cake every year. And it's like, okay, dad, we're going to do, you know, we're going to make it. And what kind do you want? And my mom wanted a jello cake. You know, you poke the holes mm-hmm. and you pour the jello. And dad was there. Well, it was kind of a half a jello cake mm-hmm. because he got his little OCD and the, he just got focused on like one area of the cake. And instead of taking it away and correcting it, you know, I was like, dad, how about you try to move down? And he's like, okay. And he would go like, you know what? My mom had a half of a jello cake, but he had purpose. And that was more important than the cake being perfect. And I think sometimes, again, we get so wrapped up into, it has to be a certain way. And yep. it doesn't, it has to be about how they feel at the end of whatever they engaged in. When they're happy, when they're feeling purposeful, when they're feeling content, as care partners, we can take in a breath and absorb all of that too. If we're smart enough to do that at that point. And sometimes we're not. It's kind of like when you have a baby, the the doctors will say, now when the baby sleeps, you you get some sleep. And everyone goes, okay, fine. And then they get home and then they don't listen to it. And they're like, I'm so exhausted, you know, Um, but really sitting down with that person and just taking it all in of what a precious moment this is. And and we're so busy being busy as a society. I just think dementia has so many beautiful life life lessons to teach us. Absolutely. And And we have to give ourselves grace too, because we're not going to get it right. And I know caregivers so often, especially family members are like, oh, I lost my patience with dad today. Or, and you know what? We do it with our kids. It doesn't mean we're a bad parent. It just was yeah. a bad moment. And I think I'd love to give people that are caring for people just the grace to know you're going to have those bad moments. And, you know, my dad, we were, you know, I would, he loved to walk. So mm-hmm. I would take him on the linear trail and we were walking down the linear trail one day. We, we get back to the car and he was stuck. His brain stopped. He had one leg in the car and one leg outside the car and was just, I'm like, okay, dad, we got to get in and we got to get out. Like we got to get in. And I, I felt myself just losing. It was about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, dad, what are we going to do? And he looks at me and he goes, we're going to ride for autism. <laughs> and I just laughed. <laughs> there were signs for a ride for autism along the whole path that we were walking on and that stuck but it kind of was this moment of he knew I again that emotion he knew I was getting frustrated and he so he said something and I just laughed and went okay dad you went you got me on this one and and I relaxed and he relaxed and in the next two minutes he was in the car so again they know what they're they know how we're making them feel um and they and they sense we we say at artists their brain is broken but their heart is not. And that is so, so true. Very much so. I'm sure, Jolene, you've got a zillion stories uh, about 
kind of that pressure cooker moment with families, you know, disclosing to you. And how, I mean, I know I hear it all the time. And again, you know, like Mary's saying, you know, give ourselves some grace. I mean, we were never a perfect person before this. No, <laughs> no, no. You know, it, it, you, they, I think a family member, caregiver, they put a lot of pressure on themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to, they want the right thing done, you know, and, and, uh, and their heart is in the right place. And I just think sometimes they are too hard on themselves and, and it's okay. And you know what, we're here to help guide and support. Oftentimes they would call me and say, I don't know how to say that, you know, I'm feeling this way. And, and I would always leave myself open for anybody to call, you know, not that I have the right answer, but you know what, sometimes it takes that person to help talk them through it. Um, And then, you know, it's like, you know, give a little clarity on that moment of, you know, we, we call therapeutic fibbing, you Mm -hmm. know, like we, I can't lie to them. I, you know, that's my mom. That's my dad. I have to be honest. You know, you try to explain that, the, you know, like the brain is broken, it really can't connect those pieces. So, you know, when my mother-in-law's um, brother died, her family meant everything to her. And her sister-in-law had come to visit. And, and uh, unfortunately, my mom, my um, mother-in-law's brother had passed away. And she said, no, I, I'm going to tell her, I have to tell her if she asked me, first of all, she wasn't going to ask her. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, and I said, no, I said, why would you do that? Why would you put that person into that spot where, you know, they're in a happy place? And a lot of times it's that short-term memory, you know, they're not going to retain. So you're going to give them that bad news and, and put them in a very bad moment. You know, we try to make it a happy world. And that's why we say therapeutic fibbing. It's okay to lie. You're doing it for the right reasons. Yep. It's okay, you know, to do that. It's about calmness. And, and I, I've seen so many families do that where, and my family did it too. We didn't know what to do at first. And so it was like, gosh, and then it was like, mom's spinning out of control and she's full of this grief. And we're like, well, what are we going to do? Well, pretty easy. Like, uh, let's look at what triggered that. Right. Let's not do that again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. And, and so, but it, but it is funny because different different family members have different thoughts about that. Like my mom, my mom fell in love with this, this man, or so I thought, uh, that's what she told me. And she was living in a community and, you know, I asked what his name was and she said, Oh, I don't remember, you know, I've got Alzheimer's. And so I'm kind of looking around trying to, trying to find this person she described and I, I can't find him. So after about two weeks, I, I asked the nurse, I'm like, you know, my mom, it seems so happy. And she's just almost like a 16 year old. She's just thrilled. And who's this guy? And she's like, ah, Lori, come on into the office. You know? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so oh, I go no. into the office and it ended up being that my mom fell in love with a woman by the name of Mary Ellis, who looked like a man. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had, she had very short hair. She, she had real broad shoulders and she just mm-hmm. had more of a masculine um, body. And, but my mom was, I mean, she was so happy. And the nurse said, well, what do you want me to do? And I said, well, nothing. I said, look at her. She's, she's joyful. There's nothing to do. Well, about, I don't know, two or three months later, I come in one day and my mom is just livid and she's on this little glider swing by the front, by the front door. And she's got her arms crossed. And I mean, her face is beet red. And I said, mom, what's our, I don't want to talk about it. Mom, 
please tell me what's wrong. Maybe I can, I don't want to talk about it. Well, then Mary Ellis walks by and oh my God, the eyes, they were like <laughs> lasers. I thought they were going to cut her in half. And here, someone told my mom that she had fallen in love with a woman. And, you know, my mom, you know, she, she, you know, grew up in a generation. She was Catholic. That was, you know, shouldn't have happened. And I'm sure she felt embarrassed. I'm sure she felt, you know, sinful, all of these things. And she held that anger for months to this day. I still don't know if it was the staff or I got a feeling it was one of my brothers that just wasn't comfortable with it. And I just thought, boy, we really are looking at the wrong things here. If we're not looking at their center of joy, right? Exactly. That, and, that the truth took away her joy. And if yeah. that's the telling the truth, because you know what we do it to our kids, you yeah. know, how many times have we told our kids that, you know, something was real that we know in our mind is not, or, you know, it, it, and it brought them joy. And yet when it comes to our elders, we feel like, we have to be truthful, even though it's going to rob them of the joy they so deserve. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Jolene, I wanted to, to ask you about, you know, purpose with, with a person. Can you describe what that looks like for the person with dementia and then others that are just kind of observing them in, in action when they're feeling just in the zone? I think, you know, purpose with a, with a person that is suffering with dementia is, is to really allow them to, for their voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, you know, we have that stipulation because they have dementia, they can't make choices, they can't make decisions, just like we were speaking of before, um, you know, by partnering beside that person and allowing them to choose how they want to spend their day, um, they're spending it the way they want to, not the way we want them to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and provide that um, the love and the emotional support. I think that an individual often needs to get them into that, you know, that right place. You know, it, it, it's amazing because, you know, our residents do not know, a lot of times they don't know my name, you know, but emotionally they know how I make them feel. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a lover by nature. You know, I just have a lot of love to give and I'm a hugger and I'm, I'm you know, a comforter. That's just me in general. And, you know, a lot of residents and, and people, you know, even my mother-in-law, they welcome that, you know, you just want to provide that safety and, you know, and partner beside them so they could live out that best quality of life that they have, that they should deserve. You know, um, I, I think to me, that is the most important thing. I, I actually just listening to them as a person and an individual and what yeah. their needs are, you know, be, they'll tell you you just ask. Yep. I, and I love how both of you use the word partnering. You know, I, I just think that that, that is a, a huge statement in and of itself of how you care. It's mm-hmm. not, um, it's not this takeover situation where I'm in charge and you're going to do what I say, and you're going to do it when I tell you to do it, you know, type mode, uh, the the flexibility again getting back to the cookie story instead of trying to come on Alice get to bed it's time to get to bed and you're going to wake up the whole floor going through this and things are going to escalate it's like let's just go make some cookies right exactly 
And I tell you, when, when we, when you allow this to happen, you know, with a a person, our resident, it's like, you see magic happen. There is Mm -hmm. not a better feeling in the world when you, when our residents are happy and they're engaged and, and you feel like they're living the life that they should. And we're like partnering beside them to allow them to do that. That that's what it's all about. You know, when you walk out that door every day, um, you know, all you want is to make a difference in their life. And, and I'm so honored that I get to do that every day. And then with partnering, it's, we know the disease really well, Mm -hmm. but we know nothing about the person walking through that door other than what we might've learned on a tour or an inquiry or a paper. Um, And that when somebody spends their life with us, you know, we're we're looking at what, 18 months, two years, that that's Mm -hmm. less, that's, that's 2% of their life. Mm-hmm. Yet somehow we think we become the experts on what they need. So in order to give the best person-centered care, it's you have to partner with the person. You have to partner with the family. Um, if not, then you're just taking care of the disease without partnering about the person. And you can't do person-centered care in that way at all. Very, very true. Now, um, in, in wrapping up here, I can't believe our hours just flying by, Mary. There's probably some, some care partners at home that are wondering, how do I engage my loved one here at home? Yeah. It's, it's getting off of the task, which is probably the hardest thing to tell caregivers at home to do, because again, you have so many things you want to get through in your head. But you know, if a shower takes a half hour, because a person's engaged in being involved in it, instead of 10 minutes with you doing it yourself, that's okay. If you know, you're making lunch, include the person. It's again, it's like Jolene talked about earlier, it's not the all or nothing. Either they make lunch or I make lunch, but there's a lot of in between. Um, I am, I think, you know, we talked about what are the obstacles in regards to socialization for people at home, and I don't know if you guys experienced it, but some of their friends seem to at times disengage from the person with dementia. They don't know how to involve. They don't know how to interact. Mm -hmm. So out of not knowing, out of fear, they cut their socialization. So a person living at home, their their world sometimes gets much smaller in regards to socialization. Um, I'm a big advocate for adult day programs um, to use for people that are living at home. But at home, it's don't make it that you do it or they do it. Um, You know, I remember my dad, he would have his electric razor and he would shave his face. And my mom's like, oh my gosh, you know, he's been doing that for 20 minutes. And I said, well, what would he be doing if he wasn't doing that? She goes, driving me crazy. It's like, then let him do it. Like, (laughs) let him do it. But we, we, I think at home, we try to keep things as normal as possible. And that's just setting everybody up for frustration. So allow them to do the littlest things. Cause as my dad said, there's going to come a day where I can't. So let me do, um, let me do those things that I can. Well, and it really is adjusting to that new normal, which is not only theirs, but it now it's yours too. Right. And right. I think there's sometimes families have denial in terms of that new normal. They don't want to open that door. Um, but yet they're creating angst and, um, and frustration and anger for themselves and for the person living with dementia. When you're fighting something you can't control, and we, right. we all know that, but living through it is really difficult. I know I just found as a daughter, when I was able to let go and be more spontaneous, be more inclusive, 
um, I just felt lighter. I felt happier. I felt more engaged. I, I got to know my parents better in on a deeper level um, than I ever imagined. And I think one of the, the saddest things in doing that for me was that I realized my brothers didn't do that and they lost out on so many stories Mm -hmm. and so many moments. And I didn't realize that until one day they're like, well, where'd you get all these stories? And I kind of thought I was there. Right. (laughs) I, I was there. I was trying and it wasn't always perfect, but I think sometimes people just give up and sometimes our, our friends and people who support us purposely give us permission not to go back, not to visit because they don't know how to interact. They don't know how to comfort us. And so, well, if you just cut the tie, then we don't have to deal with this. And everybody's losing out on, on so much. I just really appreciate um, the artist way and how you pull staff and residents and family together in terms of, of educating and making everybody feel like they're part of the team. I think that that is something really you, you guys do uniquely well um, in the industry and um, kudos to you for doing that. Thank you. And I think by doing it though, we, in a selfish way, get amazing moments that we really get, again, we get the stories, we get the moments we, we get the opportunities. So it's, it's nice to see that partnership with, with so many who are on the team. The other thing that I just want to mention too, is you guys do a lot of um, educational programs, pulling in national speakers. And, you know, these are free uh, to people. And I've been honored to work with you. In fact, I've got one coming up on September 20th. It's going to be basically realities of dementia and giving people family-friendly tools. But, you know, go to their website, take advantage of these things. Most companies don't do this, you know, yeah. at this level. And there's a, there's a really big difference, I think, from hearing from different national training voices than necessarily, you know, someone who's just kind of filling a docket on a calendar. So again, you, you can go to their website. And anybody mm-hmm. can call us, you know, even if artist senior living is never an option for you, mm-hmm. we are about partnering. We know how long and hard this journey can be that if you need to think about home care or an elder law attorney, don't hesitate to call us because we have those partnerships. We know the best tool that people have when they're living at home is education and resources. And again, if artist senior living is never an option for you or your loved one, it doesn't mean we don't have partnerships and can help steer you in the right direction. Wonderful. Well, thank you ladies so much for your time today. This was a great conversation and I know people are going to glean a lot of information from what we talked about today. So keep up the great work. Again, you're really making a difference out there. So thank you. And you you too, Lori. Thank you for all you do. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.